0: to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Today's guest, we have Tracy Moore. She's a mom of two beautiful children, a wife, my online bestie, the host of City Line. (laughs) And City Line is the longest running daytime talk show for women in Canadian history. She has been on Hello Magazine's Most Beautiful list, carried the torch for the Pan Am Games, thrown the first pitch at a Toronto Blue Jays game Hosted the live Grammys Red Carpet Show and twice a year designs her own fashion line, Tracy Moore by Frida's. And she's also a fellow stiletto shoeaholic. Please welcome to the show Tracy Moore.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to finally make this work and we could chat because I think that you have been inspiring so many women. Um, and then with your story. And it's really, to me, I feel honored that you would make space for me on your podcast to talk a little bit about my journey. So thanks.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. Honestly, I, you know, realizing through sharing my own journey, how much it can inspire others to do more. I wanted to basically create a platform to have women like yourself come on and share your journey so other women Mm -hmm. can learn from it and continue to be great. So thank you so much for saying yes. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be a part of it. Awesome. So, I mean, as women, we have so many titles that we go by and that are added to us regularly, but I feel that a title that is extremely important, that isn't you know, recognized enough, is our name. So my question to you, Tracy, is do you know what your name means? I have
1: no idea what my name
0: means. <laughs> Wait till you hear
1: how shallow this story is. My mother, who you know, loves us dearly and everything, she actually asked the neighbors, she was like, what do you think I should name this one? And one of the neighbors said, you should name her Lee. And she was like, no, I don't really like the name Lee for a girl. And then there was a show that she would watch on television. And one of the characters name was Tracy. So she was like, "Ah, I'm going to go with Tracy. <laughs> That's how inspired my name is. Tracy Michelle Moore. It doesn't get any more boring. Um, And I don't even know what it means. I've never even done the research to find out what it means. But I I definitely don't
0: feel defined by my name, though. Well, here's here's something that you may want to consider, because I looked up Tracy, Mm -hmm. and one of the definitions that I found, it's Latin for warrior.
1: (gasps) Wow! (laughs) Wow! Yes,
0: amazing.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm a warrior. I like that. I like that. You are defined by my
0: name. (laughs) My next question to you is What did you want to be when you were a little girl?
1: I went through many phases. I absolutely loved collecting rocks, I remember when I was a little girl, and so I decided. Um, I wanted to be like a miner because I thought if you were a miner, you were surrounded by rocks. And my parents told me <laughs> actually mining is quite dangerous. And, and I said, okay, how about a geologist? They're like, fine, be a ge- geologist. And then I was very much into Solid Gold, the show um, where they had dancers, and they'd be in Gold Leme, and they, there was one black Solid Gold dancer named Darcy, and her hair was really long, like <laughs> past her bum. And I was like, I'm going to be a Solid Gold dancer. That is what I'm going to be when I grow up. The parents were like, okay. And then after that, I thought, you know what, maybe I'm going to be a physician. I want to be a doctor. That sounds really impressive. Hello, my mar- marks and math were atrocious. I could have been a gifted child if it were not for my marks in math. My marks in math were like crap. So I said, forget that. Um, And then it wasn't until I got into high school and I realized I really loved writing essays. I really liked um, presenting my projects to the class.
0: Mm -hmm. That I had
1: a teacher take me aside and say to me, there's a lot of things you can do with this. And I thought, what can I do with this? I love to write. Does that mean I have to be a novelist? And she said, no, you can, be a po- you can do political science. You can do law. She goes, you can do journalism. And so it wasn't until high school that I actually started thinking to myself, maybe I will try journalism.
0: And that's mm-hmm. where that idea started. Wow. Okay, so you've been a host uh, for CityLine for 10 years. How yes. did you become a host of CityLine?
1: It's an interesting story because all of my training in journalism was very serious hard news. I went when I was in university, I volunteered at the campus radio station and I worked on a black political show, it was politics about the black diaspora. And I would I would from first year university, I would go into the campus radio station and I would help by reading announcements. And by my second year, they asked me and a friend of mine to co-host a show called Soul Perspectives once a week on the station. Um, And and that show was about politics and black politics. And so we did that. And then they knew that we loved the radio thing. So they asked us to do a morning show, which I'm sure if I went back and listened to any of it I would be mortified like we were awful (laughs) but we were trying right like you're just gonna try a thing and see how it goes and, (laughs) and so we did it and we enjoyed it and so that's when I first caught the the bug for for broadcast and so I went off and did my master's degree and I was going to be a hard news journalist my first job was at CTV Newsnet um which led to my which led to my job at CBC as a news reporter. CBC is probably the gold standard when it comes to journalism. There is no fooling around. Everyone has to be uber smart to get by in that newsroom. Mm -hmm. I was doing stories about gun violence in the black community. I was doing series on poverty. Um, I wanted to be Diane Sawyer on 2020, or I wanted to be on 60 Minutes. I was going to do a hard news magazine. That was the goal. And so... Between being a reporter and being an anchor, uh, I worked my way up to doing breakfast television. And, you know, the story of how I got there was very circuitous because I'd basically done every single job in journalism <laughs> you can imagine. I took the papers off the photocopier and handed the scripts to the anchors. I would research for other reporters. I begged and begged for them to put me in a camera course so I could be a videographer. I got my big uh, chance when 9-11 happened and they ran out of reporters and they asked, you know, do you want to go to a story? I said, absolutely. And they gave me a a van and they gave me keys and they gave me gear. And that was my first reporting gig at CBC. And so they essentially allowed me to go on reporting there. Um, But it was basically beg, borrowing and stealing my way up every single inch of the ladder and, and then after CBC, I went to Toronto One. They had asked me to go over there as just a reporter anchor. And it was great until we all got fired because they ran out of money. So mm-hmm. that was where City TV came in. I was unemployed for three months. I applied to Global. Global didn't answer me back. CTV said we didn't ha- they didn't have any jobs and proceeded to hire my blonde girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And City TV told me to come in. And do auditions on CP24, and they ultimately hired me. So now I'm a live reporter on Breakfast Television, and I'm a backup anchor uh, for Breakfast Television, whenever the main anchor is away, which was a lot between you and me. <laughs> and so you we know, had a lot of sick days. So. I got married. I got pregnant. Within this time, I'd also been courted by ABC News in New York. They offered me a job in London, UK. Wow. I accepted the job offer. The job offer went away because they, were, they found themselves in a lawsuit with a reporter that did not want to go to Afghanistan. And then that reporter was suing them. Anyway, to make a long story short, I was going to stay here and stay in news when my news director um, took me, a very pregnant Tracy, I was about eight months pregnant, into her office and said, listen, City Line is going to be without a host um, pretty much in the next couple of months. And I said, that's nice. And she said, "Well, we're going to be holding auditions while you're on your maternity leave." And I said, "I know. I hear everyone talking about it." And then there was a big pause because I'm like, "Why is she telling me this?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "I would like you to audition." And I thought to myself, "Why?" It was so <laughs> it was so outside of my wheelhouse. I didn't watch City Line. I didn't know any of the experts on City Line. I was not interested in lifestyle um, programs at all. Mm-hmm. I had you know, I would go home at night and my husband and I would watch, we would watch CBC News, we would watch ABC and NBC Nightly News. We read the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star every day and the New York Times every Sunday. And we'd also throw in some BBC for good measure, like we were news junkies. <laughs> so this is like an a, like audition for Cityline. And I thought about it and I thought, well, hold on a second. Maybe I should not say no to this. Maybe I should actually try. I mean, hey, it's an opportunity. I, I don't feel very interested at this moment, but maybe I will. I took that information home to my husband, and my husband was like, "Tracy, like, this could be a great opportunity. Let's think about this. We're we're a young family. Like you're trying to put meals together on a budget. You're trying to look good. Like my my husband is Kris Jenner. He is a momager. He is like." <laughs> Biggest cheerleader, he's like, we should try this. He thinks I have been worth a million dollars since I started in journalism. He's been like, you should charge them $100,000. <laughs> like, he's always been such a huge supporter of the Tracy Moore brand. Um, and so I was like, well, yeah, maybe. Like, he got me kind of excited about it. And the more I auditioned, the more I, I really, truly liked it. I liked being able to not just be the serious news girl, but to be a bit of a goof and to joke around and to laugh and to have a little bit of fun while I was giving, giving people entertainment, uh, information and entertainment at the same time. So lo and behold, three months later, I got the gig and it's been the best gig I've ever had in the world
0: of broadcast. It's been an amazing gig. Wow. So you basically had to step out of your own way, because you were thinking, this is totally out of my lane. And it gave you this amazing opportunity that you just said has been, you know, the best you've ever had. So what advice would you give a woman in regards to not getting in her own way?
1: I would say one thing is be true to who you are. And I always had a big personality, and I always found that when I had to report, I had to stamp that out Mm. we're in a different era now and as reporters reporters can have opinions and reporters can have personality but when i started in the industry the story was never about you as a reporter it was always you pretending to be objective and putting the information out there for the viewer to decide well i think we all know now that reporters are humans too i'm coming Mm -hmm. i'm coming to stories as a black woman when i have to pull up into a government housing situation and report on a gun crime. I don't feel good, mm-hmm. and my and and what I'm gonna say is going to reflect the fact that I'm coming from that community. I can't help that. So I think that I wasn't necessarily being um, true to all of my personality when I was stuck trying to be a hard news journalist. And I think the moment I started being um, honest with the fact that, you know, I'm kind of goofy and kind of silly and I'm I'm okay with the world seeing that, that was the moment that I was able to fully get into a role like hosting City Line. So absolutely a hundred percent as you say, get out of your own way, but also be be okay with embracing who you are. Because I mm-hmm. am the super serious person, but I'm also super silly and, and, and and funny. And I I can cry like I'm I'm a big crier. Like I wear my emotions on my sleeve, all of those things you can't do as a news reporter, but I can do them all in my role. So there's a perfect fit now because I've been able to be open and honest about who I really am.
0: I I love that you speak to, you know, being true to who you really are. And, you know, when you mentioned the different things of you being serious and silly and a crier, like, do you believe there's such thing as balance? I mean, you're a career woman, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a philanthropist. You know, you have these titles, but then you also have these different feelings and emotions. Like, do you you believe in balance?
1: I don't believe in balance. I believe that we, for me, I had to reconcile that There was always going to be, for lack of a better word, a winner and a loser in every situation. And -hmm. sometimes my kids win and sometimes my work wins and sometimes my husband wins, but usually not all of the above. And I had to go through a lot of guilt, a lot of coming home and being on the phone, doing conference call after conference call after conference call and completely ignoring my daughter to the point where she fell asleep in her homework, going through the guilt through that to understand that, you know what, I'm going to have to sometimes be okay with not being the super mom today or not being the super worker today. And trust me, I feel guilty every single time I have to leave (laughs) work because I got to leave work to go pick up my kid. um, Mm -hmm. Or I have to leave work because I forgot their lunch or I got the lunch mixed up. So I have to go. I feel like crap every single time. And, Mm -hmm. but I also realized that my life is never going to be a perfect flow. And the fact that I've let myself off the hook for that
0: makes me feel so much better. So I
1: I don't believe in balance.
0: I heard you speak, uh, I believe it was probably two, three years ago. We were at a Pandora event and you were sharing that story of, you know, sometimes there's no balance and sometimes, you know, you drop the ball as a mom and sometimes you drop the ball at work because, you know, people look at you and expect there to be balance, but you're like, sometimes you're great at being a mom and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're great at being a career woman. I, I think that moment for me was life changing because at the time when I was listening to you Mm. share your story, I was, you know, single mom of three, full-time entrepreneur, trying to balance, helping other people and helping my family and doing this and doing that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, trying to balance. (laughs) And yeah. hearing your story gave me like so much comfort in that moment. I felt like, oh, my God. Okay. I It's yeah. okay. It's okay if, if I forgot the lunch today.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's okay if I'm I double booked so my appointment today. <laughs> We need to, like, as women, we need to let ourselves off the hook. And, you know, I, one thing I find that is very different about my situation is, is having a super supportive husband. I give all praise in the world to single moms. You guys deserve everything. The fact that you're not angry and spewing, like, vitriol and craziness, because that's what I would be doing. I would, feel <laughs> gar- I, I would probably feel resentful. I would probably feel angry. I would feel sad. The fact that you are doing what you're doing and raising these incredible, brilliant human beings is to me like otherworldly. I find that having, like sometimes I'm almost embarrassed to admit how much of a parent my husband is versus how much of a parent I am. Mm -hmm. He's picking up pieces constantly. He, I can say to him, I have I do. I have a I have a meeting on Saturday with Rogers Women's Network, which is an a, organization I'm a part of because we've got a women of color um, part of it, subset of this group. And I would like to see more women of color making their way up the ladder at Rogers. It's one of the things I believe in. But it's a Saturday and my son has hockey and mm-hmm. usually I'd be as my daughter. And so now I'm asking Leo, can you take my daughter as well and entertain her while she's there? Leo is the one that will stay home when the, the kids are sick because I got to show up here and do this show. There's 65 people that came here to see a live show. They
0: right. don't want to hear
1: that one of my kids has diarrhea and so I can't come in. Like right. it's, it's not a suitable excuse in my in my industry. So mm-hmm. I he is the one that allows me to drop the balls constantly and then sometimes him and I both drop the balls and want to hide in the bathroom somewhere because <laughs> we don't feel like being a proper parent and we don't feel like being proper workers and we just want out of life for a second but for the most part he is the he's the one that's helping to hold it all together and I really do feel thankful that I have him because I don't think I'd be able to have all this other stuff going on without him
0: I think that's beautiful you know to have a supportive partner um enable To allow you to be the great Tracy that you are, you know, I'm going to say in the last year and a half, almost two years, I've been blessed to be with a partner that's the same where, you know, the support is something I've never seen in my entire life. (laughs) And I'm beyond grateful for it. And it allows me to do more of what it is that I'm passionate about. So I, I totally understand I think it's that.
1: amazing. Okay. So where did you find that hot guy? <laughs> <laughs> I know in the middle of your podcast, but I want to know because all of a sudden he pops up on my Instagram feed. I'm like, oh my God, what a beautiful couple. <laughs> Thank beautiful you. Beautiful couple.
0: Yeah. I, I've shared the story like a couple of times on, on Instagram live and stuff like that. But okay. we were actually face, Facebook friends for a long time. Um,
1: really like did you know each other in real life and then follow each other we had never
0: just met no we met through we met through social media um oh you know there was God. interaction online but nothing you know like that and yeah. he attended um, he actually messaged that he wanted to attend one of my book signings i had at, at chapters in mississauga and he was unable to make it and he showed up to i did a, a workshop for authors uh the following uh-huh. sunday and he walked in and i was like, mm, "who is oh, that?" Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And That's uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so we people met through actually social media. Meet
1: on social media and it's like and it's quality.
0: Oh my goodness. I have had so many women on the show who spoke about how they've met their their partners and their soulmates through social media. It's it's, it's like the new thing.
1: <laughs> it's really the new thing. That's so cool though because I find that and I'm really digressing here. I'm happily married, but I find that when men step to me on Instagram or Facebook, it's like, "Hi, can I know more about you?" Oh, what? <laughs>
0: yeah, those so get ignored like or blocked. The, oh,
1: yeah, or those deleted. get ignored or blocked, right? So I I didn't realize there were men out there that were actually doing it properly. And I think the fact that he started by um, by, you know, being interested in actually what you had to offer as a professional, a career woman or a creative, um, would have made all the difference in the world. That would have made all the difference in the world to me.
0: It it definitely did. I mean, it it started with, you know, just motivational and inspirational comments on my stuff on Facebook about what I was doing and what I was sharing. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that story. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, back to you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> so you mentioned you know as as a mom, you know you can't call in because your kids are sick, and you know you've got sixty five live audience members waiting, and you've got you know billions of of viewers out there waiting, aside from all of that, like what other adversities have you had to overcome to get to where you are today? um you know
1: I had to and this adversity is not necessarily a career related adversity but it really did key me into the importance of mental health, and that was the postpartum depression I had after my first child. Mm-hmm. I just, I wouldn't wish that level of sadness on my worst enemy. It was, it was the first time I felt actually debilitated, like I was just knocked right in my knees, and I, couldn't, I didn't know how to get out of it. And I guess part of the reason why the sadness, it, everything was fine day one, day two, day three, it hit me like, um, like a Mack truck. And I just felt I could not see, I, I didn't really see colors as brightly. I was crying constantly, whether I was at home or outside of home, I didn't want to eat anymore, which to me is like the major sign. If I don't want to eat, something mm-hmm. is terribly wrong. And um I felt that um, putting the, you know, my husband sort of put a call out to one of my friends who who talked to me, and that was the beginning of me trying to come up with some kind of an action plan to pull myself out. Really, I should have seen a doctor, Mm -hmm. Um, but me being the Capricorn I am, I'm like, I'm going to come up with an action plan because I need to stop (laughs) being so sad. I can't even take myself anymore. I didn't want to leave the house. I was afraid to leave the house with the baby. Everything was just like fear and sadness. Um, but what I realized after that whole our our ordeal or is that I have to put a very significant onus on self care, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like I almost feel like it's greedy and selfish the amount of time I put into self care. And I know I should never feel that way, but the fact that I am working out every morning and I'm like sneaking out of my house when it's still dark um, because my husband allows me to because he is there with the kids. The fact that I am insistent on my meditation, um, I'm I'm so strict with my self-care regimen because I never, ever want to be that sad again. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: has very much sort of reverberated throughout my entire life. Me spending that time on myself every day has made me better at my job. I have to be so nice at my job. (laughs) so nice and that's not my job like when I'm in line at no frills there's no budding like people know
0: me (laughs) because everybody knows who you are
1: (laughs) yes I gotta be nice and like I feel bad for my kids the burden I put on their shoulders but kids you're known Mm -hmm. so there's no fooling around like there's no there's no wiggle room for them and there's no wiggle room for me and I understand why there are people out there that are public facing that kind of seem like assholes And Mm -hmm. it's because they need to turn it off sometimes. I don't necessarily need to turn it off because number one, I have a propensity to be mostly positive and, you know, I kind of like people, but number two, because I spend so much time on self-care. right? I feel like I spent the time on myself so I can go out there and be public facing and be happy about it and be authentic and like be actually feeling gratitude that I can be out here in this space with these people So, I'm not putting on an act. As soon as the lights go down, I don't like, you know, go into a corner and sort of power down like David Letterman. I'm okay with it because I spent the time on myself. So, I think that that has been um, a big lesson for me. And in terms of an obstacle, the postpartum depression was a big one. Um, But what I gained from it is basically that attention to self, which has been so crucial.
0: I can totally relate uh, on that. With all three of my kids, I had uh, postpartum depression. The first oh, two, uh, yeah, the the first two, I didn't seek help for, and uh, that was hard. But by the time I had my mm-hmm. son, um, you know, I I got professional help, and like you said, self care is like essential. So
1: essential.
0: It, it's beyond essential. <laughs> it, it's yes. So that I can stay sane, so I can deal with everyone else. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is like, what is your self-care routine?
1: So my self-care routine um, is a lot of fitness and I try and vary the fitness. So Monday, Wednesday, I train with a trainer in the afternoon who I absolutely love. Like my trainer is just one of my favorite people in the whole world. And it's not because he's easy, like he's tough (laughs) as nails, but he's like just a lovely person. He's not about... Um, Tracy, we need to make you skinny. He's about mm-hmm. Tracy, we need to make you strong. He's like, he wants mm. to squat weight. He wants to make sure I've got proper form. He wants to make sure that I, I function properly all the way into my 90s. And so, not only do we train hard, we also do hardcore mobility, which is all of the things that your muscles need to prevent injury so that I can keep mm-hmm. going and lifting hard. So Mondays and Wednesdays, I train with him. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a TRX class that ends up being sometimes heavy lifting, sometimes a lot of conditioning and sprinting. Friday, I either do yoga or a cardio class. Saturday, I train with a girlfriend um, at the gym. And then after that, I usually do yoga. And then Sundays are my days off. Before I go and before I even leave the house, I do 10 minutes of meditation every day. And I love waking yeah. up between 4.45 and 5 a.m. Because no one else wow. is up in my house. And it is quiet. And I can go, I can move slowly. And my brain can sort of work out whatever it needs to work out. I feel like I solve a lot of problems between 5 and 7 a.m. Wow. And it, 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 it allows me to feel connected to me. And I love starting my day feeling that because I'm in an industry where you can lose yourself very quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: It's easy to
1: get caught up. Like you get caught up, you get, there's a lot of people in my industry that have a big ego and I get it. Like it, it feeds egos, it feeds craziness, it feeds like competition. And if you don't have a good sense of yourself, it, it will eat you up. Um, so that's my, that's most of my self-care regimen. The other thing is, um, and I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm gonna, I don't watch TV. <laughs> I Neither really do I. Yeah, I don't watch TV. I work on yeah. TV. I don't watch TV. So I try and watch my show just so if I, I can catch myself if I'm doing anything annoying. Like, you know, you know, we all have habits of like, oh my God, why did I do that? Or why did I say that like that? Like I watch my show so I can see what's working and what's not working. But um, aside from that, I read and I find um, I love getting caught up in, in fiction and in stories and every once in a while, the odd biography. But to me, the reading time is actually part of my self-care. Yes. It's quiet and I, I, I really enjoy it a
0: lot. Well, so a total side I note. Mean. Uh, you posted on Instagram about, uh, you just finished reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. I'm on yeah. Chapter 11, by the way. <laughs> Amazing good. book. Amazing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Amazing book. I just, there was so, you know what I really liked, what I really loved about it? I loved how honest she was about race. They had to play a very, they had to hold their cards fairly close because he was going to be the first black president of the United States. She was going to be, this was going to be the first black family in the United States. And I I don't think any of us can ever overestimate how huge that is. And Mm -hmm knowing that race was so close to her heart the whole time, it seems almost silly to say, because of course it would be, she's a black woman, obviously race plays right. a part, but, but we didn't and raised it. in South and, Chicago <laughs> and race in South Chicago. but We didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't necessarily get to hear it or see it because that's not something that they were necessarily at Liberty to talk about ad nauseum. Right. They were busy mm-hmm. running a country and you know, telling everybody, by the way, we represent you all. And I just find when the world finds out that you are actually invested in your race, for some reason, certain communities think that means you're not invested in them. In them. That's yep. not what it's about. Being right. pro-Black does not mean you're anti-anything else. It means that Agreed. you have a sense of pride, right? So for, for me, reading that book from beginning to end and seeing how the race and the gender and the stuff she had to fight for, even fighting for her own um, team when she was out campaigning for Barack. Finding Mm -hmm. out he is like very much in a lot of ways, a typical husband and she was being a single mom a lot of the time. Like all of Mm -hmm. that is just so honest. And it was, to me, it was incredible. It was incredible to read that journey. And the fact that she never wanted him to run like ever. She she knew what it was going to do to her family.
0: And I totally
1: get it. Like I get it. So yeah. Incredible book.
0: Really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's something I just love about hearing other people's stories. It's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. But, um, yes. you know, earlier you talked about the industry you're in and, you know, what that, that comes with and the expectations and all those things. So, I mean, life as a public figure comes with many positives and negatives. So how do mm-hmm. you continue to lead via consensus? Like,
1: I think that um, one of the things that I've learned and, and here was another thing when I started hosting. at like, we had a host before me who had been here for 19 years and, you know, she was a boss. You know, Mm -hmm. she walks around. She's like, people would not necessarily, the first adjective to come up about her would not be nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and which is fine. Women don't have to be nice. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: when, when I walk into a room and I want to lead, it's not necessarily going to be a dictatorship. That's not actually my, my thoughts on leadership. Right. I like leadership where everyone feels comfortable enough to speak about what's on their mind and what their opinions are. Uh, And I think that things can be fairly democratic. Mm -hmm. And when I first started on City Line, I got a lot of pressure from a lot of people saying, well, you need to put on your bitch pants. You need to start telling people how it's done. You need to do this. You need to do that. You're the host of this show. You need to run this ship. And Mm -hmm. I was constantly going home to Leo and saying, like, I need to learn this ship before I can run this ship. And even when I'm running the ship, I don't think I want to do it the way these people are telling me I should be doing it. I I, I don't right. feel like that's my personality. Right. And so I just sort of, you know, I, I just sort of went along and, and learned everything I could learn. And, you know, as a black woman, I did feel like I, I, the tests might have been harder for me to earn people's respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I really put my head down and was diligent about working and, I'm not ever going to be a diva. I will do whatever the job takes. You're, never, you're going to see me moving my own furniture and I'm going to do my research for the interview. You don't have to write the questions for me. I'm going to do everything I need to do um, so that you make sure, so that you know that I'm pulling my weight and I'm going to learn everything inside out before I start telling anyone what to do because I have right. to learn this job. I have to learn who these people are, what the format is before I can even think about changing anything. And so what I found was shockingly, maybe five years in, um, I had earned a level, like it's almost like I earned political capital. Um, mm-hmm. my, my team had respect for me because I was very respectful with them. I understood that this show was not just me. This show is interdependent. We all need each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that my attitude and my, my way of working in an inclusive, Manner was a good way of leading this particular team, and I think that that is how we do leadership here. Everyone wants to know what my opinion is, but they also know that their opinion is also valued. Yeah, and actually, their opinion can change my opinion. I'm not so hard headed that I'll be like, "Well, no, this is the beginning, the middle, and the end, and this is how we're going to do it." No, no, no. I want to hear from everyone's perspective what you think, um, and then let's decide together. So. That is my, um, that's sort of my role of leading by consensus, and it is leadership. It's just not seen, it's not the way we see leadership traditionally, especially leadership that's, you know, male-oriented leadership. It's very much about pounding your fists on a table and telling people what to do. I don't do that, and I think everyone here would be comfortable
0: saying, yeah, she's a good leader. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in, in essence, you're saying lead by example, not dictatorship. That's correct. Lead by example. And I try and do that not just with my workplace, but even
1: with my Instagram. Like, I want people to see a Black family that is affectionate and loves each other. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hammer you on the head and tell you, by the way, the Black community, we're not a bunch of animals. We're people who love our children and love each other. And we are affectionate, affectionate with each other. And men and women love each other in our community. I don't need to tell you that. All I need to do is show you the evidence.
0: That's right. This is how I my
1: family is living right now. This is what we do together. This is how we care, uh, care about each other. This is how we support each other. This is how my parents are here for my kids. And I think that it's, it, it's, it can be the most compelling thing just to live in your truth and have people see that.
0: Uh, I, I love it because that's exactly what I see you know, I'm an avid follower Good. of your Instagram <laughs> and I see, you know, you talk about the love for your parents, you talk about the love for your husband, you talk about, you know, your, your children and you talk about inclusivity and you talk about, you know, not body shaming. So right. by example, you know, yeah. you are doing an amazing job of leadership. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you very much. And I
1: think the Obamas did an amazing job of just showing us, this is a family that loves each other. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was the biggest statement they could possibly make.
0: Mm-hmm. So thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. So uh, my next question. Yeah. We're both fellow stiletto shoeholics. Yes. So we are. I, I think I, I may know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask okay. anyway. So I was uh-huh. reading a article that said that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. Mm, so okay i'm going to ask you tracy what is your yeah. favorite type of shoe is it a boot a running shoe a stiletto a flip-flop a... my
1: favorite type of shoe is a sleek pointy stiletto i like a pointy toe i like it to be sleek like i love a patterned stiletto but i love like a metallic stiletto and I love that stiletto heel. I think it is a beautiful thing. Um my mother is like 4 foot nothing and so she's been in heels forever. She doesn't wear them anymore. She's like 78. But <laughs> I learned from the best that women look phenomenal in heels. So that is my that will always be my My main beautiful shoe, a stiletto. So what
0: does that say about my
1: personality?
0: (laughs) So uh, (laughs) women who wear stilettos, I mean, to some it may seem materialistic, but these women are actually Mm -hmm. incredibly hardworking. They have major Mm -hmm. drive, determination, and standout work ethic. Oh,
1: I love it. That's you and
0: I right there, girl. Right? Perfect. Love it. it. (laughs) So before we we go to the final segment of the show, tell people where they can find you online.
1: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TheTracyMoore. You can find my clothing line at TSC.ca, And the spring line is coming up in April 2019. I am so excited for all the bright colors and the pastels. It's
0: going to be phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. I will have a link to all of your sites and socials um, with the podcast so they can just click and directly follow your amazing journey. So amazing. for the last part of the show, yeah, I call it a walk mm-hmm. in her stilettos. It's a, it's reflection questions where you basically share some general inspiration. Um, I think in the interest of time, I'll ask you maybe two or three. Sure. And let's start with name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life.
1: I'm going to have to go with Becoming by Michelle Obama. I have read so many books, but honestly, most of them are fiction. Mm -hmm. This book to me has actually inspired me to start. um, I'm going to start research on a new program that I'm going to try and lead I'm not going to say much more about it because uh, I've only done the preliminary research, but
0: Mm -hmm. I literally
1: ended the last page and started this new project based on how I felt, how I felt inspired, how I feel leadership is within our grasp, how I feel responsibility to do more Mm -hmm. um, and how I just I don't want to wait anymore. I want to use my time on the planet to do something good and to help you know, make make things a little bit better. So that book uh, is game changer, life changer, the whole nine.
0: Love it. Love it. Okay. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. That could be money, time, energy. I'm going to say the most
1: worthwhile investment I've made as a mom and we've made as parents has been investing love, affection and a very strong sense of manners and analytical <laughs> skills into our kids. When I when I realize I can actually pick my two up and take them absolutely anywhere with me and I'm probably not going to be embarrassed, I feel like we've done we've done a good job. When I yes. when I get into a cab and you know, I get out of the cab and the driver says to me, Your son was very polite to me. You should be very proud. I'm the happiest woman in the world. So, and then also, also, you know, their analytical skills. So investing that time, having conversations about things like women's periods, like my son knows about women's periods. They know what tampons are for, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is, this is us having very open, honest conversation. The fact that I was going to take my daughter to a Barbie event, and she said to me, to be honest with you, I don't feel that Barbie reflects me. And I said, why? She's eight years old. And she said, Barbie is skinny and white and blonde. And she said, I'm brown. (laughs) With, with black, brown hair. <laughs> so straight up, we are not going, honey. Like the fact that that came out of her mouth unprompted and I was the one that was going to take her to the Barbie event, like where the hell have I been? So uh, that to me has been my most worthwhile investment because they are, they're coming out just
0: right. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. okay. Last question. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? That I have be become. Oh, go ahead. Yeah,
1: I have become better at saying no to absolutely everything. <laughs> there used to be, and no event I wouldn't host. Uh, no friend I wouldn't help move. Um, no charity I wouldn't volunteer for. Uh, no friend I wouldn't say no to if she, you know, wanted to go out for a wild night. I am so economic with my yeses now that I feel so good about my schedule. I was a serial overbooker, a serial double booker. I was in a situation where I would look at my calendar and the entire month would feel like obligations. I have moved away from that. And because Mm -hmm. I've been able to move away from that, I've been able to spend more quality time on fewer things that I actually really care about. So I don't think people should give less to their community or volunteer less. But I think the things that you actually do should be done properly and fully and wholly and leave the rest behind. So that's what I've taught myself.
0: I absolutely love that. I did an interview with um, MP Selena Chavanes and she said the exact same thing. Both of you Ah. said, you know, learning to say no to everything and not feel guilty about it.
1: Right. And be like, oh my gosh, this is so good because now I'm going to spend my Saturday doing XYZ you know? So yeah, it's been, it's been a process, but it's been great.
0: Wow. I love it. I love it. I just like, I just looked at the time and realized 45 minutes went by in like the blink of an eye.
1: Thank you so
0: much, Tracy, for taking the time to join us. I appreciate you. Thank you.
1: I appreciate you and everything you're doing. Keep going. You are such an inspiration for all of your listeners, all of your followers, for your children. I love your new romance. I think it's beautiful. (laughs) Um, And just keep that good black girl magic um, going for us online because we love being a part of it. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Tracy. You're awesome. Thank you again. So until next time, download the Awaka My Stiletto app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. Rate the podcast on Apple. Subscribe to the podcast there. Leave a review. Let us know what you thought about Tracy's comments. What did you learn from what she had to say? We'd love to hear your feedback. Send us an email at info at com and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.